1: Welcome, 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 Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together, and uh, we've got a bunch to cover. I will have another great interview today with a friend of mine uh, who is going to speak about uh, Rush Limbaugh. I told you I was going to continue when I could get folks that knew Rush Limbaugh well to can celebrate that. Uh, let me give you a little update. Again, it's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thank you for tuning in. Please go to ProAmericaReport.com to find out more uh, about what we're up to in many of our interviews, and also sign up for the daily email, the daily wink, which comes out. You can follow me on Twitter. At Eagle Ed Martin. You can follow me on Facebook, Ed Martin Live, and on Gab and Parler and everywhere else. Uh, you track it all down, and please do. All right. Um, I had a nice uh, text exchange over the weekend. I hadn't uh, talked to him in a long time, probably six months, um, but uh, early, uh, and that's with David Limbaugh, uh, Rush's brother. And um, what I have my experience there was I've known David Limbaugh for a long time, much more than I knew Rush. I know Rush a little bit. Um, but I knew David, I know David Limbaugh very, very, uh, pretty well and spend time with him and, and talk to him on the phone. And he's a great, good, fascinating man. Very smart and very, um, very faithful, very, uh, faithful guy has written some wonderful books on, on, uh, on his, uh, faith and, uh, on Christ and on the importance of, um, uh, the importance of uh, one of them is called the case for uh, I think the case for Christ uh, and he does it as a lawyer it's really well done anyway great guy and uh, about a when, when the news first broke on a rush my I think I've told you my wife the doctor said it's very serious and it's more serious than people realize and um, and so I quickly reached out to um, I quickly reached out to David and said boy I'm praying for you if there's anything I can do let us know I, I know how tough these times are and I kind of stayed in general touch with him that way and if you notice on the program here and on uh, in my um, in many of the things we're doing, we did a lot of celebrating Rush. Um, we put out uh, some of his speeches. I talked about him a number of times because I thought, you know, it's better to celebrate someone's life while they're here if you can. And we did a lot of that, which I was I feel very good about. Anyway, David and I had a nice exchange over the weekend. They're hanging in there. And, uh, you know, obviously the uh, the sadness and then you couple the sadness with the insanity of the left and the media. Uh, but they're hanging in there. And that was that was um, important. Um, uh, I'm glad to, I was glad to hear that important for uh, all of us to, to to know they're doing fine and, and hanging in there as best they can. Um, I do think that there's an observation. Someone said no one's going to replace Rush um, Rush Limbaugh on the air. I think that's exactly right. Uh, also, just practically, there's going to be no one that can galvanize his listeners the same way. They're not going to be as talented as him and everything else. It'd be interesting to see. I did notice over the weekend um, that there, at the end, I didn't know this, at the end of his life, his career, Rush had signed on with one of the big... Um, uh, companies to manage his production, uh, uh, distribution, and all. I thought he always owned his own and distributed his own. He is with one of the big companies. I don't know if it was Premier or uh, or what. Anyway, one of the iHeartMedia. Media. I'm not sure who it was, but I noticed that. And as I saw a an executive with that company mention. That we're going to go ahead and get, you know, we're going to do the best of for a while and then we're going to rotate in some uh, guest hosts and then we're going to see. And I thought, yeah, there's no way they're going to let um, someone be as rush as Rush was. They had to let Rush do it because he was so talented and had such a history. But they won't do that for somebody else. So the next guy in is going to be tied up in the corporate um, mindset of what is happening and have to um, manage that, which will be make it less likely that it's as edgy or as exciting or entertaining, in my opinion. So um, that's where that's going to end up. Um, And I think that that's kind of being realistic. That's where that's going to where that's probably going to be. Okay. Um, The President of the United States announced that he will speak next week at CPAC. Uh, Next weekend, I believe. The CPAC is not in Washington, D.C. area like it usually is. CPAC is, uh, for the first time, being held in Florida because D.C., it's difficult to host things here and Maryland and everything, and Florida's a little bit easier. Although I suspect it's still going to be a fairly... Fairly modest sized event compared to CPAC in the past decade or so has been just massive. I mean, it's just been it can become such a, a behemoth. Um, but he's going to speak there. Here's the question. He's going to speak on Sunday. Here's the question I have is, um, will anybody be able to hear him? Uh, I mean, will, will anybody be able to hear him? Meaning he gave an interview um, He gave an interview. uh, Was it when? Was it Thursday or Friday? I I can't be sure. But it was on Newsmax. And it was up on YouTube. And YouTube took it down. They took down his interview. He's a private citizen now. And they took it down ostensibly, I think, although nobody told. uh, I don't think anybody specifically said why that I could see. They took down his interview because, I I think, during the interview, he said he thought the election was stolen. Um, So, Now the standard is, you can't even believe that, even after the fact. I always thought that the point of the silencing by the media and by big tech was to make it so that nobody challenged the election so that they would get their guy in office, the preferred candidate in office. I didn't know that it was going to become a complete uh, shutdown of anybody having any other position. I mean, you can have a lot of positions, crazy positions on the Internet, crazy positions you can do youtubes about you know um about the the your theories on uh, on uh on evolution on climate change on ufos you can do lots of stuff you don't get taken down now i don't know whether the F- facebook's answer is because they're taking him down because he um he is influential is that the standard? Because people would follow him? Is the reason they took him down because of the Pelosi uh, Capitol insurrection hoax? And they're saying, oh, my gosh, more things like that could happen. There's a great, great piece by Julie Kelly out that shows nobody was armed. There's no evidence that anybody was armed in fact the evidence that occurred that i saw was that there was um that there was um some indication that there are people in fact there was exchanges uh between people attending where they were saying are you going to carry meaning conceal carry or carry a weapon and the person says no and the person says no i'm not going to carry and um and of course because They're knew that to have be armed. And so they weren't armed. So a whole bunch. And then they went on this uh, essay. This uh, Politico uh, went on to say, oh, my gosh, you know, you won't believe it. Um, There is uh, it turns out that the um, that they had weapons somewhere else. So they weren't armed, but they had weapons somewhere else. That's the standard that appears to be the standard of of what uh, is going to be whether you're allowed to uh, that you're allowed to um, to be called armed. That's what they're saying. So here, back to my point, the president of the United States is going to speak. He's going to speak next um, Sunday. How long will we be able to see it? Think about what we're doing here. Think about the position we're in here, that how long will be we be allowed to see what he says before it's taken down? And if the only avenue to see or hear him is to somehow what? Go uh, see it quickly and upload it onto a different website? Is that is that the is that gonna be the standard? You can't you will not be allowed to uh to see um what he says, except if you see it live and then it'll be taken down. That it looks like it. That looks like the standard. Think about what's happening. Think about how quickly we've gone from uh from uh where you're allowed to say lots of different things and you will be, you know, uh tolerated, or now the president of the United States is gonna to be told. Is going to be taken down. I, it is extraordinary how fast this has happened. And what you need to know today is it doesn't feel like they're going to stop. It does not feel like they're going to stop. And, uh, and, and I don't know why they would. You know, this is my argument, my strongest argument for the fact that we have to get ourselves uh, lined up to fight for what really happened on November 3rd. Because I don't think they're going to stop if they, ha- they don't have to, in other words, they're not going to stop conduct where there's no friction making them have to stop. You know, there's no if there's nothing that makes them stop taking down the president of the United States. And then, by the way, I don't know what that means. I don't know whether it means creating another entity that would be so powerful uh, and that, that they that they would realize how many people want to watch this and it would be valuable to them. Um, it, it, I don't know, because it's what's happening now is so striking it is um, it is really, um, it's really crazy to see. And again, understand, at this point, I am not an advocate for any change in who's president, okay? I'm not saying that. Nobody should. We have a system. The system, whether it was flawed or not, whether John Kennedy cheated Richard Nixon, he still became president. Whether Joe Biden cheated Donald Trump, he still became president. That's not what I care about. What I care about now is why won't anybody... Let us look and see what happened, at least to restore confidence, at least to restore confidence. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it is um, amazing to me uh, how, um, uh, how, uh, how tightly they're wound to stop what seems to me to be now a common sense conversation. All right, that's what you need to know. Okay, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk uh, with my old friend Scotty Nell Hughes, who has a great Rush Limbaugh story, and also School Choice. It's time to talk School Choice. We will visit with John Schilling, who heads up the American Federation for Children. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report, back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Our next guest is our old friend, uh, Todd Bensman. Todd Bensman is, uh, of course, over at the Center for Immigration, uh, excuse me, the Center for Immigration Studies. Jeez, that's my first time on the radio. He's the senior national security fellow there, writes, uh, prolifically, and, uh, his most recent piece, which I want to touch on, then I got to come move forward because the news of the, the, uh, Biden administration has sort of revealed their big bill, but he put a few days ago, day ago, well, may, earlier today, uh, posted at piece, Aspiring Immigrants Forgoing Caravan Tactic Are Massing in the Nord- in Northern Mexico on Biden Promises. So first of all, welcome, Todd. Thanks for taking the time to sp- spend with us. And tell us what your piece is saying, what you're seeing there on the ground in uh, on the border.
0: Sure, I appreciate it. I looked through uh, all this week Mexican media because there are not too many American reporters going over to the Mexican side to see what's going on. And what I found was that These towns and cities all along the border from California to uh, the south of Texas are filling up with Central American migrants and Cubans and Haitians from all parts of the world. They're coming in uh, from Panama, and they're making their way in smaller groups through Mexican roadblocks and around National Guard formations and barricades and that sort of thing, smugglers in significant enough numbers that they're overwhelming the shelter systems in these cities and towns are coming up, massing in these towns, getting ready to cross over, and in a lot of cases actually crossing over in large groups and swamping border patrol on the other side and just kind of coursing right on into the interior of the country. Uh, That's sort of what's happening. Uh, They're not uh, coming in in a, in a controlled way, like uh, has been uh, propagated out there that, you know, we're going to meter them in slowly in smaller groups. They're just, uh, as one border patrol agent told me, uh, bum washing us and about 75 percent of them just get right past them and on into the country.
1: Hmm. Um, we're talking with uh, Todd Benzman and by the way Todd I meant to plug it at the beginning because I've got it on back order I ordered a copy uh, Todd Benzman's got a new book that comes out I think in about three weeks no a week is it a week from now because I yeah, bought a. I, I bought a copy a yeah go ahead yeah
0: there's, there's a little bit of a delay in um, uh, mailing them or getting them out distributing them because of COVID supply uh-huh. chain issues or something like that with all books right okay. now. But you'll get it. You'll well,
1: get it. it's it's yeah. It's Todd Benzman's book. It's called America's Covert Border War: The Untold Story of the Nation's Battle to Prevent Jihadist Infiltration. Out on February twenty third. I just found it four days from now, technically. So, uh, and we're talking with Todd Benzman. All right. So, so um, what what's the uh, um. Word travels fast in the modern era, in the modern world. And so what is the, what is your read then, your analysis of what sort of the world is saying about the Biden administration's policies right now? I mean, you're saying they're using a different tactic. They don't need a caravan. They just need to get there and get ready. And now we have the Biden bill, uh, their, their dream bill dropped that looks like, includes things like if you were deported under Trump, you can come back in and you'll get an, a pathway to citizenship. I mean, the message message must be to the world the doors are wide open huh yeah and you know
0: mexican media is fairly honest about that they interview the migrants they interview the shelter directors and government officials in mexico and nobody disagrees down there that there is only one motivating primary motivating factor and that is biden's agenda to open the border and give them freebies and let everybody in and never, nobody ever has to deport. And they'll have uh, very probable uh, green cards and a path to citizenship. And this is, there is just like no more powerful incentive that could possibly drive mass migration to the border. Uh, Biden administration has realized this and they've gone to the Mexicans uh, furtively, quietly, secretly, and cut a deal with them to have them stop the caravans by force if necessary, just like Trump. Uh, they're not advertising this, but there has been really good reporting by Reuters, which I point out in a column on my, um, cis.org site, uh, that, you know, the Mexicans and the Guatemalans are prepared to shut down those caravans, any new caravans. And so the migrants have just shifted tactics. They're still getting here. They're still coming over in very large numbers, and they'll continue to do so. The numbers are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger all the time.
1: It, um, and so, uh, what about the bill? I mean, have you had a chance to the Biden bill or the dream bill or whatever? Yeah. Uh, and, and and by, and, and, by the way, as soon as it was dropped, uh, everybody, I don't know everybody, but the Biden administration is saying, well, we know we're not going to get it, I guess. I don't really know. I guess, is this meant to be a, 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 a sop to the left that they tried, or, uh, what, what's your, give us a, uh, give us your rundown on it, please. Todd Bensmore okay, yeah. to Todd Bensmore. of course. That- Good.
0: Yeah, I think that it is largely a SOP, but what they will do is break out pieces of it and push those through. And those are important pieces. One of the pieces, for example, that will have priority will be to provide a fast-track citizenship, three years, to DACA and a lot of TPS, uh, Temporary Protective Status, uh, folks and farm workers, illegals, uh, probably to the tune of about 4 million. Now, the reason that that's significant is that we always talk about, oh, well, the reason Democrats like to have uh, mass migrations because they're importing Democratic voters. Well, these 3 or 4 million would be uh, el- eligible to vote in time for Kamala Harris to run for president on the next election. And that four mm-hmm. million could be just enough to drag her over the line. That is going to be a top priority. They probably will be able to push that one through. And there are other really disturbing aspects of the bill. If I had a minute to talk about those, well, uh, do. one is one is that the bill uh, provides for repatri- reverse repatriation. You know, bringing uh-huh. back the parents of uh, younger of, of relatives in the United States that, that managed to stay in, uh, but they were separated from their relatives because the relatives got deported. Well, we're going to turn around and we're going to bring them back into the country. Gonna, we'll fly them in on ice air. Another wow. disturbing part of this is that we are proposing in this bill – to provide legal counsel for all illegal immigrants who have cases pending before the, uh, the immigration courts, or uh, at least give the attorney general the authority to order legal counsel to be provided for illegal immigrants at taxpayer expense. That would be, you know, untold billions of dollars. I mean, obviously, I mean, lawyers they'll jack the prices up. And even if they don't, uh, you know, it's going to be a really hefty bill. Uh, And then, of course, there's very, very little enforcement. Uh, There's a provision in there to call a commission together of, you know, migrant advocates and uh, that sort of, um, you know, Democrats and that sort of thing to, to make recommendations about what to do on workplace enforcement. Right, and there can only be one direction for that. It's going to be, you know, no workplace enforcement. You know, we want employment for these folks. Uh, and then, lastly, the bill proposes to—not lastly, but just for our time constraints here—the bill proposes to uh, funnel untold millions of dollars into in grant money to migrant advocacy groups, enriching them. And, uh, providing more incentive to, for them to become a a powerful interest group, uh, pushing open borders, uh, for their own, for their own interests, right? Because they make money per head on migrants. And, uh, that's just for starters. I mean, there's very little enforcement, no enforcement really, uh, provision in this thing. It's about as radical a thing as I've ever seen, uh, in the country, really.
1: You know, you know, I hate to be a Simon editor, Todd, but we're talking with Todd Benzman, the senior national security fellow. I'm sure other folks at the Center for Immigration Studies will also do this, but I, I think you got to, writing on that and breaking this thing out is important. I, I had not followed some of that already, that analysis you just said. By the way, Todd's book is America's Covert Border, border War, The Untold Story of the Nation's Battle to Prevent Jihadist Infiltration, out on February 23rd. I, order, I pre-ordered a copy. It's uh, whenever they start firing the books out, I'll get one in the mail. So uh, it is available everywhere you see books. And it's uh, Bombardier Books is the publisher. Track it down. Todd, I got to run. Thank you, as always, for being down there on the border in Texas and keep an eye on this. I hope your voice keeps getting louder and louder. It's uh, it's uh, so important what's happening. So thank you for your time.
0: Thank you, sir. appreciate it.
1: All right. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Don't forget any of these interviews and you go over there, ProAmericaReport.com. You'll see I've interviewed Todd a few times. Always, always educational. Go check him out. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back, welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. One of the people I've really enjoyed in the last three or four years getting to know is Scotty Nell Hughes. And she is a uh, journalist. She's been, uh, she was on CNN for a while. She's also now hosts her own program on RT America. She'll often have me on in these panel discussions. She's really sharp. She also was early uh, MAGA. She rep- rec- rec- recognized uh, what uh, Donald Trump was doing and what it meant and was early in on, on sort, of, sort of making that clear, which got her a lot of attention both good and bad and i was with her uh i mean meaning criticism from the media but i was with her uh talking to her a few days ago and she has some great stories about rush limbaugh and uh and that so uh first of all welcome scotty Nell Hughes, to the program how are you today thank you ed and i like these role reversed i think this is a good role reversal right here <laughs> you know, exactly you it,
2: i'll be as good of a person a guest as you are on my show so i have to actually behave uh,
1: there you go. Well, that's good. Well, it's fun. It's fun to do radio with you. When we do TV, you know, you, you're always looking, you always look good. And I always have to wonder, why yeah. didn't I get makeup? But anyway, we'll we'll discuss that another time. All right. So, Scotty Nell Hughes, first of all, um, tell the story. You told it to me. I, I think it was on the air, but you told it to me. It's fascinating about how you, you had a really, you actually had a like one of the more unique interactions with Rush Limbaugh that I've ever heard. And it kind of is, it's almost wrapped around the Trump phenomenon. You talk about historical figures and there you are in the middle. Walk us through that. Well, it actually all starts back in 1988,
2: to more 1992, just listening to Rush Limbaugh and my parents every single day religiously raised right as a conservative and growing up amongst the Tea Party movement and going on and being a spokesman for the Tea Party. And so when Trump came down that aisle, I noticed the same people that were those conservative people that we had seen motivated with the Tea Party principles were being motivated and getting behind Donald Trump. The problem was a lot of the conservative media types were not on board, because obviously we had Ted Cruz, um, you know, prior to the Gang of Eight Bill. We did have uh, Marco Rubio. We had good conservatives that were still in the race, especially in the primary. But it was brutal. If you were a conservative at the beginning of, of 2015, with Donald Trump getting in the race. You more than likely aligned with Ted Cruz Like a lot of the main pundits did And that's including those that are on mainstream Fox News and other media outlets yep. Like radio, like Glenn Beck They were all really in the Cruz camp Where I was different is I knew number one In 2014, Hillary Clinton was going to be The Democrat nominee And we had to fight her She had the machine behind her um, If there, they, It was not going to be an easy machine To catch So when Donald Trump came down And I saw the people getting as enthusiastic As excited I thought this was going to be the slim chance we had to beat the Clintons. And unfortunately, people like Rush Limbaugh and who I had always grown up listening to and always idealized from a, a, an ideology perspective, um, they weren't on board at first. Sean Hannity wasn't on board on first. A lot of these conservatives, they, they were still really a part of the, the Cruz crew. And I get it. I respect it. Uh, so on this day, we were talking about, this is for, formally more into 2016, we were fighting at that point about the delegates. Because if you remember at that point, everybody that was coming to the Republican convention, we were not sure we were going to actually vote for Trump when the vote came to it. The first round, yep, they had to vote, but there was always going to be, and it even happened on the floor, there were going to be those that were going to try to possibly get Cruz's name back in. Hence why he was booed by his own delegation. They knew that there was some sort of high the scenes uh, work being done to, to finance that possibility of happening. So I went on uh, or actually went on that morning with CNN talking to Bob Barr because Georgia did what so many states did and put Cruz delegates in t- uh, to Donald Trump's spot. And at that time, Rush Limbaugh, while he was not, you know, he, he was still sort of in between Cruz and Trump, and yeah. actually probably more in the Cruz camp. And in that stage, you know, he he said, you know, look at her trying to point out this rule, uh, but this is how it works. Well, yeah, that's how it works, uh, but that doesn't mean that's right. And people went to the polls voting for Trump delegates, and that's why the majority of people went for Trump. They thought the delegates were going to be Trump, and we knew we had to fight that as a part of a campaign. So when he went on and talked to me, I, my phone lit up so many times. Uh, people, oh my God, Rush Limbaugh's talking about your segment. I literally just called both. Or t- I sent both earlier texts that I had, I had met them at several different places in the past, and said, "Listen, let me kind of explain." I said, "This is this is pretty heartbreaking right now that Rush should go on, and, and I don't think he realizes <laughs> what what a hero he is." Yeah. Today. And we had a great conversation. And and that was what was great about him. It was very respectful. It was very graceful. He, You know, even though he disagreed with my point, like, well, this is how the rule is. I said, but that doesn't make it right, Rush. And your audience is the same people getting behind Trump. And you've got to know that. And and we had a really good conversation. and, And at the end, he literally, you could tell that he was upset that I was upset that he was angry at me. Um, but that's how what kind of heart Rush Limbaugh had. And that's why, you know, he gave this egotistical on air. He had to because he was taking so much fire from the left. But when you actually got to yeah. had a good heart, a good soul for him, and he did not have to be the center of attention in the spotlight, which unfortunately so many in the conservative movements try to make themselves out to be celebrity. Rush never had to be the celebrity. He was, but he didn't have to be.
1: We're talking with uh, Scotty Nell Hughes, and you can hear from Scotty her history, and and she's young. She's not even. She's got more history though in terms of Tea Party and all these things, and she hosts her own program. I'm on rel, rel, regularly enough. News Views Hughes on RT America. If you haven't seen it, go find it because it's really worth doing. She does. They. She has a. She as as uh, our friend, mutual friend Ed Schultz used to say, the late Ed Schultz. You know, RT America lets him have his show, and he lets it rip. And that's the same thing with uh, Scotty Nell Hughes. And so, all right, Scotty, here's one I wanted to ask you about. I was notes thinking about this because i love talking to people like you with so much experience but did you know i know you did but people don't know scotty Nell hughes is a big tennessee person and if you go on her uh, twitter feed you'll see her support of her hometown and all and she's you know she's focused on you know her her roots you can hear it nashville strong all that but did you know scotty Nell hughes alma mater the university of tennessee martin right and the other most famous media person is van jones who went there (laughs) Did you know that? Oh, how did he turn out? How did he turn out? How did he turn out the way he did? And you turn out right. Oh, well, and, and we've got a couple other ones that
2: are mixed in there as well. And it comes down to the fact that, and that's what I laugh about all these people that say they need these Harvard degrees. They need all these big Ivy League education. No, it's all about what's inside you, whether you go to a community college, a technical training school, or you go to a big university. It's about you yourself and your own work ethic. And and I'll give Van this. He, you know, his father was a sheriff in in Jackson, Tennessee. So he, you know, Martin was a a good feeder school for him, but it was, it's all about how you yourself, how hard you want to work and what your goals are, regardless of where your education comes from? I truly believe that.
1: Well, it is true. If you go, it, there's a lot of uh, fa- really famous people. Actually, a lot of famous basketball. Leonard Hamilton. I didn't know that he he's a, the coaches from there. Also, Pat Summit, of course, the incredibly mm-hmm. famous coach. Anyway, lots of people. I just thought it was fun to think of you and Van Jones. He's old, <laughs> though. He's not young like you. All right. So, what happens uh, now? And, and then we're, again, we're talking with uh, Scotty Nell no Hughes. You have an interesting perspective. You ba- you've been through the CNNs of the world. You're at RT America. You talked about radio. You had, a, you had your own career. You were in radio also. What happens with Rush gone. And what happens with the media? We're, at the same time Rush is going off the scene, we're just sort of seeing all the media change. It's, it's, I know it's sort of cl- cliche to say it's fragmented, but where do we end up with the media now?
2: Well, Ed, that was the thing. You know, I started a few years ago, even before I came over to RT, I started looking for that next radio host, because obviously we know these guys are getting older. People are going to want to retire. I hate that we lost him uh, to death and that God wanted his talent back. Uh, But we have to always make (laughs) sure of the next level and the next. And sadly, um, while you yourself are an amazing talent to have on, there is nobody, I I feel like comfortable enough to say, that is ready to to assume that, that EIB microphone, that gold microphone. And that's scary because right. when we lost Andrew Breitbart uh, you know, uh, almost 10 years, uh, years ago that was a big impact on the conservative movement now we've lost Rush Limbaugh uh, there's, you know, Tucker Carlson there's maybe two or three other people, big names that I go, that w- going to be able to carry this flag, but we're going to have to right now, the problem is we've got to get the grifters out, we've got to get the people that are doing this just for their own agendas we've got to get back to the the policy and the ideology of conservatism the Barry Goldwater ideology And we need people that are willing to go and put their necks on their lines, even if it's going to cost them professionally. And, and that's mm-hmm. where I am. I'm, I'm sitting back and obviously looking in faith that, that I do believe that God has some plan for the movement. But we're going to have to really get that quickly um, because 2022 is around the corner. 2024 is definitely around the corner. And, and we've got to have somebody um, that we're going to be willing uh, that, that we can put up there. That's going to be willing to take those hits and we're going to be willing to back like we, what we did Rush Limbaugh.
1: All right, Scotty Nell Hughes, I think you're a good one to do it. You should do more. I hope there'll be more, more and more of uh, Scotty Nell Hughes. Uh, thanks thanks for taking the time and telling your, uh, your stories of Rush Limbaugh and everything else. We appreciate it very much. And I will put up on social media all the connectors to uh, Scotty Nell Hughes, her, her program on RT America, and also her social media. Thanks again, Scotty Nell. Thank you, Ed. All right, we'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment.
0: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. A daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by honoring family values, opposing radical feminism,
1: and representing a conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. People often ask me what the difference is between libertarians and conservative Republicans. Many people believe the terms are basically interchangeable. And it's undeniable that libertarians and conservatives can come together on a lot of issues. Phyllis Schlafly was famous for saying this about this subject. We need to be tolerant enough to let other people vote for our candidate for the reason of their choosing. Similarly, I think conservatives and libertarians can work together on a lot of important policy goals. However, with all due respect to my libertarian friends, I'd like to point out what I see as being the two biggest differences between them and conservative Republicans. The first difference I see is a philosophical one. Libertarians want to remove any sense of morality from our government. They support abortion because they don't want government to be defining whether babies are alive. They support not just marijuana, but all dangerous narcotics because they don't want government telling people what to do. Libertarians take the small government mindset conservatives have, but they remove any kind of moral restraint from the equation. The second difference I see between Libertarians and Conservative Republicans is a practical one. Libertarians who identify with the political party of the same name ignore the fundamental mechanics of how our elections were designed to operate. Under our Constitution's winner-take-all system, third parties just aren't viable. Working within the current two-party system is the only way to make real change in America. I encourage all Libertarians to support the viable candidate who most closely aligns with your views. Don't throw your support away carelessly. All of us who want to reduce the size and reach of the federal government have a lot in common. We all want to stop government from controlling our lives. However, there are important distinctions between the libertarian and conservative Republican mindset. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater by endorsing an unworkable vision that calls for removing all sense of morality. Let's work together with everyone where we agree. But conservatives should not give up on important issues like abortion, drug legalization, and marriage.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For 50 years, Mrs. Schlafly promoted grassroots efforts to rally conservatives. Today, you can harness the power of social media by going to phyllisschlafly.com and sharing these commentaries with friends across the country. Get started at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Uh, Great to be back. And uh, here's a story I wanted to cover for you. Again, the influence of China, China on the world and whether we're getting serious about it is the question, Uh, because I have to tell you, when you see this story, you just have to multiply it uh, around the world. OK, so this is the Daily Mail, which covers DailyMail.com, covers a lot of stories, a lot of interesting stories. I think a lot more conservative stuff. Sometimes we seem to find stuff uh, from uh, from them in America that's not covered. But here's the interesting thing. The Chinese Communist Party or Chinese investors, which is includes, obviously, if, you, if you're not a member of the Chinese Communist Party, you don't get to be rich in China. That's the way this works. Well, There's the essay on in the Daily Mail dot com is that there are an incredible number of universities, excuse me, of schools that are being purchased in um, China, in England by Chinese firms. You're saying to yourself, purchased? Yeah. In this case, it's not like um, in America where we have these Confucius institutes that were set up on campuses, and you had people like, I think it was even John Kerry reportedly, uh, was raising money from Chinese services. 17 schools, excuse me, 17, yeah, 17 schools are uh, under Chinese ownership. So, what does that mean? Well, it means that private schools would be like buying up a prep school in America. And there are some prep schools that are private. They're usually uh, non profits that make it sort of impossible to purchase them. Um, you don't get to buy, go into, uh, say, a, uh, a Catholic uh, school and purchase it because it's got a board of records that's owned by the church. But there are some private schools, so the big name schools like Phillips Exeter, that that's one up in uh, Massachusetts. I don't know if they're for profit or not. But there are schools in England that are, there's no uh, 501c3 protection or order, uh, set up that way. So there's schools like uh, Princess Diana's, uh, the late Princess Diana's school, an elite private school, G12, um, that that's owned by the Chinese a place called Abbott's Bromley School. Or school uh, owned. And here's the thing What happens if your school is owned by the Chinese communist regime? And it actually is part of, and stated as part of, the uh, Chinese regime's efforts to influence is to own institutions or to influence them. Okay, so a lot of these are boarding schools, and this one's the I'm looking at in this article. But this is actually again pulling back. This is the Chinese regime's strategy. The strategy is to grow the influence of the school of, of the Chinese regime through the influence on these schools. That's actually what they're doing that's the plan is to do that it's not they're not um, kind of playing around and saying oh well this would be interesting because maybe we can have uh, influence on no the plan is that they do this and it's called the, remember the, the you've heard the term belt and road strategy belt and road strategy by the Chinese and in a lot of times you'll hear these uh, ones where uh, the the belt and road strategy where the Chinese regime goes into South America and gives a bunch of money or even more likely loan guarantees for people uh, for nations that need to build bridges or roads or things like that, and and they get them. You, you get tied into the Chinese regime. Now, again, as <laughs> as the old saw goes, follow the money. Follow the money. the The fact is that the money who has the money in this case will influence what happens in a nation. If the Chinese have uh, the Chinese regime has spent uh, invested billions and billions in Africa and built roads and bridges and helped fund infrastructure, they have an influence. That's how it works. If the Chinese regime owns schools. In Great Britain, in the United Kingdom, in Britain, do you think that they're going to get an influ- going to have an influence on the students? How could they not? How could they not have an influence? You wouldn't fund—this is one of the things that happens in, in America, too. You get big think tanks and others who get money, and they suddenly they're—by definition, you are listening to the person who funds you. They come in and they say, hey, I want you to fund—I want you to give you lots of money to XYZ. You're going to consider if XYZ fits into your plans. The question is when they say, I don't want you to talk about you know, PDQ, do, do, do you do that? So the schools in this giant this article about uh, Britain, uh, British uh, private schools, they list them here. You know, uh, grammar schools, uh, middle schools, high schools, all these different schools now owned— by the Chinese regime. My point here is we we are still it seems to me awfully naive when it comes to speaking clearly about the influence of the Chinese regime in our lives. And part of that influence by the way is clearly happening in our institutions in America. And it's also clearly happening in the coverage by major media. Again, follow the money. Follow the money. And, and whether the institutions, the media institutions are owned by China or just want to curry favor by China or are influenced by others who make money off of the vision of China, for example, uh, Wall Street, if Wall Street wants more open borders and more uh, lax uh, policies toward China, they're, they're going to spend money inside the uh, media ecosystem in a way that influences that. That's inevitable. They may make an argument that it 's happening because of positive things, but the fact is that the um, the reality is it is happening because of the influence of chinese money and it 's happening all over the place and again. In the nineteen uh, late 1940s, the Americans were adjusting to the world, and the world was adjusting to a world where communist Soviet Union was growing in power and stature, and we had to recognize and come to grips with what happened. It took 30 or 40 years, uh, not 40, it took 30 years until 1980, really, until the Cold War would break down because of Reagan in large part and also because the Soviet Union ran out of steam but you know lots of people were arguing about what was happening and the direction of the country and they weren't being honest about it and people like McCarthy Joe McCarthy and others who were writing and speaking and saying look at the infiltration of the Soviets but the Soviets did it in a way that makes it look um, obvious compared to the Chinese The Soviets had spies and tried to steal stuff and they were sort of adversaries. The Chinese are not, they're trying to not be adversaries. They're trying to be your friends and steer you in a direction that goes against what are your best interests. And frankly, it's working. That's the problem. All right, I got to wrap it up. Thank you, as always, to our great technical director, Noah, for all of his help, and uh, Joanna for booking our guests. And again, you can go to proamericareport.com anytime and track down all these great interviews. Please do that. Proamericareport.com. Sign up for the Daily Wink. I'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back tomorrow.
0: This is the Pro America Report on The Answer, San Diego.